is Joan Sweeney with the Voice of the Viatorians. 120 years ago this summer, that would be 1893, the World's Fair, the Columbian Exposition, was held in Chicago to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World of 1492. Dedication ceremonies for the fair were held October 21st, 1892. The fairgrounds were not actually opened until, to the public until May 1st, 1893, and continued throughout the summer until October 30th, 1893. The article I would like to read today is about that World's Fair. In the June 1893 edition of St. Vitus College Journal, the campus newspaper, an article was published titled, The Effects of the World's Fair. It was a discourse delivered June the 22nd by P.A. Bizonette. Most Reverend Archbishop, Reverend Fathers, ladies and gentlemen, the world-stirring events of the year 1893 mark an important epoch in the history of human progress. We realize that we have arrived at another turning point in the history of our race, and while we complacently look back upon what has been thus far achieved, we also turn an inquiring glance into the future and would fain lift up its veil and peer into its sealed secrets. Man is naturally inquisitive, and whenever a great cause begins to operate, his soul immediately impels him to ideally divine the effects before they have really been produced. As citizens of a country so providentially discovered, preserved, fostered, and strengthened, we are especially concerned to know what are to be the effects of this most wonderful and happy reunion of the human family, the world's fair, upon which the eyes of all the nations are now turned. This will undoubtedly produce many various effects, but the result most devoutly to be wished is the realization of the purpose for which this world's gathering was undertaken. The great object of the world's fair is not merely to commemorate the achievements and to perpetuate the memory of a great, good, and saintly man, much less it is to make a vain display of the material and intellectual products of the world, but it is to improve the whole human race by bringing together the best efforts of man from the furthermost ends of the earth to bring about a more perfect mode of living to establish on the firm basis of true principles the policy of international peace. In a word, to give an impetus towards greater intellectual, industrial, and moral progress. Progress is the watchword of the future. It has become, as a writer has said, the living principle alike among the working and thinking people. It has already marked its effects upon literature, science, art, commerce, law, politics, and even religion. If we look about us, we see everywhere in all fields of human activity the monuments of progress. Progress has all but given life to inert matter. It has spurred the mind and quickened the immortal spirit 
and open for man new and inviting ways of arriving at truth. And think not that this progress means merely negative advancement or the getting rid of old errors. It means positive advancements, a moving toward those truths which have been, are, and small eternally be true and immutable as God himself. What great intellectual evolution, then, is being prepared by this council of the world's best intellects? What new impulse will not be given to art, science, literature, and education? It is evident that whatever is going to be beneficial to us intellectually must primarily and fundamentally be true. Art will then be taught to look up to truer and more soul-elevating ideals, to reveal the beauty of spirit rather than mere symmetry of form, to be less technical and more inspiring, to so paint man as to make not only apparent but eloquent his likeness to God. Art, then, whether it shall sing, build palaces and cathedrals, or crown heroes, shall be a powerful educator of the aesthetic sense of mankind, and through this the creator of a more refined, more cultural, more moral, more worthy humanity. Science, in her turn issuing from the conclave of those patient searchers into the mysterious verities of the universe, will, with serene modesty and commanding authority, proclaim to the world that her investigations must be carried on upon true principles and methods, that her name must not be used in vain to subvert and destroy the religious beliefs and moral virtues of mankind. She will say to religion, Behold thy handmaid. Let us henceforth seek together to enlighten man and guide his steps in the ways of truth, which all converge and unite in the one common center of all truth. Literature, too, whose field is broad and whose influence is far-reaching, shall have a new message for mankind. Garlanded in the flowers of the world's best and highest productions, she will frown upon all that is low and lowering, and will declare to the immense throng that surrounds her. Writers, Respect your noble calling. Readers, ye mighty and countless legions, feed not henceforth your minds upon poison that kills, but select and assimilate that which has beauty to gladden you, strength to upbuild and sublimity to elevate you. Thus will this beautiful trinity of influence join hands to raise to a higher plane the intellect of the future man. But above these, must there be one presiding deity, and that is education. Is it not self-evident that intellectual progress in any one of these various departments could not be possible in an atmosphere of ignorance? If humanity, then, would tread softly the paths of progress, she must be guided by the diffuse rays of enlightenment. Education will build grander men only by becoming really truth-revealing. Truth is what makes man great and free. Education will own her duties, 
assert her rights and privileges, and prove her power of making man better. She will not deceivingly say, learn and be gods, but know and be human. Education, with its power to reveal truth, will thus be no small element of the future progress of the world. But the World's Fair will not only teach mankind lessons in art, science, and education. It will not only teach the intellect, it will also train the hand of man to work skillfully. Then the genius of industry will give us improved methods of production, new and easier ways of providing those things which heretofore have been obtained, but by hard and almost incessant labor. It will give agriculture a new impetus, will give her means of extending her earth-subduing ministry, and she will be more than ever powerful to convert barren plains and desert tracts into fertile fields and smiling gardens, until the earth will no longer bear weeds and thistles, but only life-giving fruits. Transportation will extend to agriculture and industry her helpful hands by means of the many railroads which ramify through all continents by steamers which will boldly venture upon hitherto pathless tracks of the great seas carrying treasures to and from all parts of the world. And who knows how soon the dream of our latter-day romance may be realized and airships sail in the heavenly spaces. New routes will be open to commerce and to all kinds of human activity, a domain as wide as the entire world. Although physical and intellectual progress will be most certain and happy effects of this gathering of mankind, yet another effect will be expected, one much more devoutly to be wished, because much more sublime and grand and not less useful to welfare of all countries than those which we have just treated, and that is moral progress. For by this progress does a nation really live and thrive, and from its character and ascend towards grand destinies. If we look back, we shall find that alone, by walking in the paths of truth and right, as our forefathers did, shall we tread the paths of any progress, intellectual or industrial. To continue, then, in the road of success, to uphold the luster of genuine manhood and equal advancement in true principles is essential. To continue, then, in the road of success, to uphold the luster of genuine manhood and equal advancement in true principles is essential. A more clinging love of honesty and truth must and will be displayed. A decent regard for the laws of God and man being maintained, both the domestic and the civil order will be strengthened. As for progress in both domestic and public morality, divorce and intemperance, the curses of our age, the great impediments to moral decency must first be abolished. Look at the many happy homes destroyed by these monsters. How many children are there not who, by the joint education of their parents, might become the strength and ornament of both church and state, yet 
are like roses, not even left to blush unseen, but positively blighted by the cruel frost of parental dereliction. Let there be more respect for the sacred bonds of matrimony than the corruption of our large cities will gradually decrease. Homeless children will be less numerous. The home, the great source of natural strength and happiness, being sacred, countless other evils will disappear, and every country will make headway in the field of moral progress. For these ends will the religious congresses at the exposition plead and employ their most influential and energetic efforts. If this should be the only effect of this world's exposition, already inestimable benefits would be assured us and the world, and it is only when restfully based upon the solid granite of social virtues and armed with the might of right that the governments of the future can win the respect of mankind and the approving regard of heaven. Religion, the source of national beauty and grandeur, will have enthroned herself in the affection of the people, and godliness will have become a natural virtue everywhere. Then will every country be an object really worthy of the love and devotion of subject and citizen alike. Patriotism of the most exalted kind, the love of law and order, will kindle every heart and all the nations of the world will clasp in one embrace of universal peace and love. Such, ladies and gentlemen, are to be the effects of the great world conference, which it is our privilege to witness. It will be there decreed that all living things, nations and individuals, must really live develop all that is in them, advance and rise to a higher and more ideal perfection by putting on all the intellectual, physical, and moral adornments which will endow them with the grandeur and beauty befitting the noblest works of God. Would that it were our portion also to see the happy fulfillment of this impossible fiat now going forth from the united voice of mankind. Why are such great and magnificent consummations so slow of evolution? Why the span of human life so short? Peering into the borderland of vision, heartily do we wish each ship of state to sail gloriously on until this gallant world armada reaches the peaceful sunlit seas of destiny, of which to dream is ecstasy. Well, that's it from the Voice of the Viatorians. To learn more about the collections in the archives, visit our website, viatorians.com.